Hello, everybody, and good morning. My name is Neil Kulong. I am the host of today's episode of the New Standard Podcast. Thank you all for joining in. Wherever you are out there, Lance Williams is on assignment again today. I believe he is undercover somewhere in the Middle East. That is all I'm allowed to say, and that's all I'm going to say. But while he's out saving all of us from whatever evil and bad doers are out there, we are going to talk Steelers football. We are going to talk week four versus the Jets. I have Jets Wire editor Billy Ricchetti is going to join me here in a little while. We're going to discuss uh, Mike Tomlin's press conference from yesterday. We might even get into our favorite topic, whose fault is it? Matt Canada, Mitch Trubisky, all of the above or other. Thank you all again for signing in. Let's see where we're going to start off here today. Um, Pittsburgh Steelers are sitting at one and two. Not a good look the last two weeks. Probably not even a very good look for the last three weeks. Uh, Not a team right now that looks to be uh, imposing the fear of anything into anybody. And uh, beyond the Jets, where the Steelers are three and a half point favorites at Akrahine Stadium this Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. They are three and a half point favorites. Uh, probably for the last time, they're going to be favoring a game for quite a while. Beyond that, they've got a brutal stretch of games. Um, whether or not you feel that they need to worry about the Jets, beyond that, far more of the problem. You're looking at at Buffalo versus the Buccaneers, at Dolphins, and at Eagles. While I'm not completely sold on where the Buccaneers are right now, I think what we've seen to this point in the season, uh, the Bills, Dolphins, and Eagles are three teams you do not want to play, and they're playing all three of them on the road. Prime time, Sunday night football uh, at the Dolphins. At the Eagles' regular game, I would think they would want to flip that if they had the opportunity to, but uh, they're not going to be able to. Uh, But at the Bills looms after this one. Not a good situation uh, for the Steelers coming in. If you are sitting at at two and two, heading into a stretch where they're going to be the underdog in all four of those games, one and three, one and three is probably a a positive thing for the Steelers coming out of that. So you'd then be looking at uh, three and five, which would not be um, the worst thing in the world, but they're they're going to need to win uh, against the Jets, in my opinion here, to, to have any hope at the midway point through to uh, the, the finishing pole of the season. Your thoughts on that? What do you guys think of the, the Steelers' schedule as this is wrapping up? Drop me a comment in here. Again, my name is Neil Kulong. You are watching slash listening to the New Standard podcast. We are discussing the Steelers' heading into week four of the NFL season, their game at Akrahine Stadium versus the New York football Jets, those goddamn Jets. Billy Ricchetti of Jets Wire is going to come on here in a little bit. We're going to get to that. But um, Lance and I talked about this a a lot. You you know what? We'll we'll get to that. We'll get to that. What I want to do, I want to dive into um, kind of a wrap-up of Steelers coach Mike Tomlin's press conference and the news that came out of that yesterday. Um, first, we'll lead with the injury stuff. Uh, probably the most troubling of all, um, Steelers free safety, Minka Fitzpatrick is in the concussion protocol. 
There is no timetable yet, as uh, is usually the case. Tomlin said that practice participation will be their guide. Um, they don't know exactly what um, uh, make a status is going to be heading into this game, but that obviously is a massive component to what the Steelers are able to do defensively, certainly from a playmaking perspective. Um, the Steelers got gashed on the ground versus Cleveland in a Thursday night game in week three. They have a mini bye week here to hopefully shore some things up. And one of the things apparently they noticed and I agreed with because I felt the same way was uh, the presence of Tyson Alualu was not yielding the results that many thought um, they were going to. When Alualu went down, um, it, not even all that long into the 2021 season, many thought that the problem uh, with their run defense stemmed from his absence on the field. Um, <clears throat> His injury was not thought to be something that would uh, disable him or cripple him or make it, you know, extremely hard for him to come back. My stance as far as Alu Alu went uh, all off season was you're paying a guy a lot of money to be 35 years old and rehab from an injury. While it's not a joint or ligament injury, he broke his ankle. Anybody who's reached the age of 35 and beyond knows that recovery is not something that you just count on automatically. If he's 25, you're okay with the possibility of him coming back to who he was. At his age, the old adage, and I, I swear by this, you don't get better at playing football by not playing football. At his age, that's doubly true simply because your body needs a lot of time to recover from not playing. You have to get back into shape. It's not about the injury. It's about your body. And with all due respect to Alu Alu, the guy's a warrior throughout his entire career. Absolutely deserves any and all accolades. Stealer for life, that sort of thing. He's been a great player. Um, I didn't like his chances of coming back fully. And frankly, through three games, we saw that to be the case. Um, he's not getting the job done. And Mike Tomlin said that Montrevious Adams, who they also signed uh, this offseason, will be uh, the, the new starting nose tackle. Um, Adams's play, I think, has been reasonable to this point. I don't know how good it's been, but it's been better than Alu Alu. And uh, clearly it's something that it, it, the Steelers have indicated uh, is one of the problems with their run defense. I think Adams is solid enough of a player that he's able to uh, hold down the fort more or less um, until they can really kind of get things figured out defensively in the absence of T.J. Watt, which is still going to go on for another, I believe, three games um, after this one. So they're going to enter the toughest part of their schedule beyond this week. Uh, the bulk of that will be played without Watt, and probably um, you're not getting Watt at full 100% um, <clears throat> for a little bit after that, give him a chance to get his football legs back under him. Is this move, uh, it, does this move indicate that Alu Alu is the sole problem? No. We, we get into too many of these arguments, too many, uh, too much is made out of the idea that there is one linchpin to everything. Make this one move and everything is going to be fine. Football is the ultimate team game. Uh, one player's performance affects the, the performances of those around them. One play call affects everybody who's on the field. Everybody has a hand on the pile if you're not performing well or if you are performing well some more than others there are some moves that just need to be made i'm not going to suggest that alu alu was individually responsible for nick chubb running largely unchecked and unchallenged across the steelers defense on thursday night particularly in the second half but 
his play was not up to, to par. And I think at the very least, the message is being sent by Mike Tomlin, um, <clears throat> as well as uh, the rest of the defensive coaching staff, that uh, a change needed to be made and they're willing to make those changes. But what about time? But what about, but what about um, Mitch Trubisky? Do you bench Mitch Trubisky? Do you want to go with Kenny Pickett? Do you strap Matt Canada, the closest light rail train, and send him out of town? All these options, I'm sure, are on the table to some degree. But uh, as as Tomlin clearly pointed out very quickly uh, into the press conference, they're not making moves uh, to that degree at this time. But I believe his phrase was, but we're not going to be left blowing in the wind either. I'm not 100% sure what that means, but I, I think it's a veiled shot to everybody on the team that uh, he's not above making the move and they are considering it. Whether they're going to do it or not is a different story. It just, it, it's not off the table. I don't know how much leash Mitch Trubisky has. I don't know how much leash Mitch Trubisky needs. What I know is that Mitch Trubisky has not played well, regardless of what Mike Tomlin has said about it. And these are his comments uh, from his press conference yesterday, Mike Tomlin. Decision-making and where he's going with the ball the time in which he's making decisions, these are things that he uh, sees as positive from Trubisky's play right now. The prudent use of mobility, whether it's by schematics or by ad lib, just generally all areas. Um, I, okay, I, I don't... Where he's going with the ball, I, I, I saw this stat, unfortunately I can't put it up here because I'm not technically savvy enough to do that, but... Uh, the Steelers are top five in the league as far as basically getting rid of the ball to a target quickly. He's not sitting on it. He's not taking forever to make a decision, uh, therefore having to to kind of chuck up heave and pray situations or throw it away or take sacks. I'll give him that. If Trubisky is doing anything, he's finding his target very quickly in his read and he's throwing the ball there. Whether that should be the target or not is is a matter of some debate. This is where you get into the, the role that Matt Canada is playing, what exactly they're looking to do on offense, and would that change significantly if Trubisky was not in the game versus if they were to elevate Kenny Pickett, uh, the rookie out of pit, for a starting job, his first uh, uh, start of his NFL career. It's like this. <clears throat> Your quarterback receives the snap with the idea in mind that there is a primary target on the play. The primary target is what the play call is in, in a passing game. There are things that you are doing for that, but if your primary target is going to be isolated, so if you're playing an ISO passing game, you're not setting him up with anybody. And really the idea is give him the opportunity to make his move and get him the ball. That is almost entirely what the Steelers are doing, particularly on uh, first downs to this point in the season. Defenses seem to be responding to that. And whether or not secondary, tertiary outlet receivers are open with the ability to make a play, the primary target seems to be the one Trubisky is going to. That's the early release, uh, the, the, the quick release that we're seeing from him. That's part of the lack of sacks, too. Um, even uber freak athletes like Chase Young aren't getting to the quarterback if, if he's throwing the ball um, less than a second after the ball is snapped. It, it's really hard to ask them for those kinds of sacks to come up. And at the same time, for protection's sake, 
if you're coaching your quarterback to get rid of the ball quickly to go, really what you're saying is go to your primary read. And that's pretty much it. That's what their offense has been. Um, this is not necessarily something that is uh, exclusive to Trubisky, but at the same time, that's really all Trubisky does and has in his career. So you, you've got, um, it, sadly, the, the real marriage of why I felt Trubisky, the, the signing of Trubisky was one, not a great move, and two, indicative that their offense was going to be exactly the same uh, as last year when it wasn't very good. These problems are, are reeling their head right now simply because uh, Trubisky is not deviating from the plan that he's being given, and this team is simply not effective offensively. Tomlin does everything that he can to, to shake the blame from the quarterback, which is fair. Um, again, it's not completely on the quarterback, but comes a point here. They're going to need to start to man up and make some plays down the field. Um, they have the weapons to be able to do that. You're starting to hear you know, some, some quiet nods of agitation coming from the receivers. Um, one's not named Deontay Johnson, who's getting force-fed the ball 10, 11 times a game. They're going to need to do a bit more than, than what they have. And I think their, their stats of um, the results-based stats clearly show that they're among the, the last in the league in yards per play at like 5.1 or something to that regard. They're a 44% third down conversion team. Um, they're bleak in the second half. Most of their, their three and out possessions are coming in the second half and their defense is on the field more than any other defense in the game is. Uh, these stats I feel are, are being amplified uh, and and contributed to by the fact that they don't possess the ball, and that's because they're doing the same thing uh, play after play, and certainly half to half. It's not taking defenses much to figure out what the Steelers are doing quickly, and the Steelers are not deviating from that. Does that matter if you change the quarterback out then? Your scheme, logically, and I understand the the grandfather namesake of this podcast is is related to um Tomlin's old adage the standard is the standard that sound it, it, that's a way to motivate the people who are on the team and it's certainly a simplified way to sell the idea that they're not quitting to their fan base but you don't have the same game plan from one quarterback to another you, you just you just can't um you're making way too much money and you're dedicating way too much time to tell me that these players are similar enough at the 10,000 foot level that we don't need to change anything from our league's bottom five offense. There are things that I, I feel Pickett can do better than Trubisky. I think he's a better deep ball thrower. Uh, I think he sees the field better than, than Trubisky does. Trubisky, though, is not reaching punitive status with the coaching staff from from what we can surmise they're not benching him he's doing what they're asking him to do so to me you you have a dual problem of the the schematic choices game to game that you're calling on offense and a quarterback that is probably being protected by only having one read and i, I don't mean literally they only have one read it's just that's who he's going to the vast majority of the time he's not progressing through anything else he's not seeing the entire field and they're not empowering him to do that that's by design. They, they want him to get rid of the ball. If you have a quarterback that can see the field, will throw the ball accurately deep, which we don't get from Trubisky in the very few times that he's actually done that, it, you're not going to call the same plays um, series in and series out if you have a quarterback that can fundamentally and dynamically 
do more on the field than what we've seen from Mitch Trubisky right now. That does not mean they're going to bench him, and I don't think that they will. If they really felt a change was needed, they probably would have done it leading into this week. Um, clearly, that's not the case. I don't know how much they want to plan to do it. Their bye week is, I believe, week seven. Maybe it's something they want to make a, a decision on then. But for now, it uh, looks like they are going to continue with uh, Mitch Trubisky. And to be honest, I, I don't really see um, things changing for the better. But, but, Steelers fans, there is optimism because it's not as if the New York football Jets, the goddamn Jets, are a defensive juggernaut in the NFL, not the way that they've played to this point. They have individual players. I talked with um, a few people about the rookie Sauce Gardner. They love what they're seeing from him so far. They have Quinnen Williams, who's been a beast up front for them, uh, an excellent rising young defensive tackle in the league. There are playmakers on the defensive side of the ball for them. Um, they haven't put that all together yet. And I feel like this is a get-right game for Pittsburgh in a, a couple of different ways offensively. We're going to watch the game, of course, and we're going to tune in. You guys are going to tune into this show afterwards, and I'll tell you how right or wrong I was about that. But I, I feel like this is the type of game the Steelers can put things together um, and, and find a little bit more on a couple third downs, especially in the second half, and get another touchdown or two out of it and maybe land in that, you know, right now uh, seems like unachievable 27-point range. I know how crazy that is for the Steelers' offense, but uh, that's what I'm seeing. I'm going to get into that with my special guest, Billy Ricchetti here of Jets Wire. He is the, the managing editor of Jets Wire, and he clearly is not on <laughs> not on the camera at the moment. Um, I'm just going to leave it here until he comes back. He'll, he'll know that he's here. Uh, Billy just took over for us this year with the Jets. Uh, very exciting young team. Um, Robert Saleh, I think, is it, 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 a, the a, one time I can't hear anything. Now we can mute him, he says. <clears throat> oh, I can mute him. Okay, sorry. Um, yeah, he's uh, uh, done great work for us since taking over uh, right before training camp. Uh, we're very excited to have him, and we're going to break down the Jets here in a second when he gets here. Um, we're going to get into predictions. Feel free to leave those here. Um, I'm going to talk about that toward the end of the show, but um, just while we're waiting, I'm going to grab a comment here. Um, I love this question, Wes, just simply because this really is kind of life-defined. You know, it, it really is chicken versus the egg. Um, is, is it a confidence issue or an intelligence issue? In a lot of ways, um, I'll say this. I, I think he's not confident because I, I don't think that he's all that smart of a player. Um, I I've watched every snap he's taken in his career. I've talked to a lot of people that know far more about quarterback play and football in general than I do. Nobody who really knows gives you a good sense of Mitch Trubisky being a, a project who can be built into something. Um, he has to play within a system. If he deviates from that, he makes a lot more mistakes um, and, and bad things happen. I know that he had some minor success at, at one point in his career. Matt Nagy was not Matt Nagy was not the worst coach who's ever lived the way that he was made out to be by Bears fans and uh, Steelers fans after they signed Trubisky in an effort to convince themselves that Trubisky is a good player. Here's the thing. For, for everybody who's watched the show, 
you know my feelings on Mitch Trubisky. I don't have a whole lot of faith in, in Mitch Trubisky, and I'm not going to anytime soon. What we have seen from Trubisky to this point is exactly who Mitch Trubisky is. They've done a great job of coaching Mitch Trubisky to be Mitch Trubisky. Um, that's the most backhanded compliment that I could possibly give, but I'm not sure there's anything more I could really say about it in affirmation of, of his play. He is just a very limited player. Um, there's not much he can do beyond what he's doing. So what I see, and we can, we can label this, whether it's a confidence thing, whether it's an intelligence thing, I break it down to vision. When I see Trubisky play, you look at the, the wide angle of the field, you see receivers who are there. Trubisky has decided when the ball hit his hand exactly where he's going with the ball. Um, he plays short, he plays quick game almost exclusively. What that means is he's designed to get rid of the ball as quickly as possible. So there are three receivers on the field or four or five. There's only one that he's really looking to throw to. If he has to get off of the, the first receiver, he's moving out of the pocket. Even when he moves out of the pocket, he's still locked into his primary receiver and it's almost a guarantee that he's going to wait until a rush gets close to him. He's going to find a stationary target and he's going to deliver off his back foot. That's a quick game kind of mentality. Um, that's really all he does. If you put him in structure, it, it doesn't work very well. And what we've seen to this point is exactly what he looked at as for the vast majority of his career. Um, do we want to call that intelligence? I'm not sure. I, I don't know, but it, it's field vision in my mind. It's spatial awareness. He, it, you'll notice this too. He doesn't throw to moving targets very well. He throws almost behind them to the point where they have to stop and, and catch the ball straight up. This is why the Steelers are terrible now all of a sudden in yards after the catch. It's probably why the receivers are not generally all that thrilled with what's going on. They're not being put in a position to make plays. Um, <clears throat> it looks like we have Billy here now. I'm going to add him in. Hopefully he is paying attention and hearing me this time. Okay, there's like three of them now. I think he's on his computer and his phone at the same time. So we'll go with the one where his face is and he's gone. <laughs> this is really working well. <clears throat> Billy, are you there? Can you hear me? I can hear you now, yes. Oh, my God. What a disaster that was. I'm sorry. Just, just for diagnosis' sake, are you are you on a computer and a phone at the same time? I was, but I just left the studio on my computer, so I should just be on this now. I hope I have all <laughs> kinds of Mitch Trubisky jokes and you right now to make, and I, I might continue to do that. <laughs> but um, yes, thank you for joining us, Bill. Um, yeah, it, oh, it, thanks uh, for having me. I, I introed you a little bit before, but just to go over it again. Billy is is our Jets Wire editor. I uh, just took over for us in August, uh, doing a great job there on a team that has a, a lot of news. It, it's it's a very interesting young team, very dynamic head coach. And we've seen um, it, it, in almost kind of an extreme fashion, uh, it, high-end Jets and low-end Jets um, over the last, it, really the, the Robert Soleil era. Uh, it's been a lot of, it, it's been a lot of fun. It's been it, very exciting. That Bills game was a lot of fun to watch. Um, thanks for coming out here. I, I appreciate you taking the time. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to come on here and chat. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. So I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me start thanks with for the kind words. Definitely, definitely. I, I think this is the most obvious storyline, but uh, Zach Wilson, 
player that as we're recording this uh, Wednesday morning Eastern time. Um, it, it, it would appear that the indication is that he's going to play. Uh, doctors are going to clear it, but uh, Salah even, Slay even said um, we're waiting for the doctors to, to confirm it, but the expectation has been that this is the game he would play. Uh, Wilson missed the first three games with a knee injury um, earlier this season. He missed some time with the same knee uh, last season as well. But let me ask you this, Billy. If we were to separate by group the, the quarterbacks of 2021, what group are we putting Wilson in? Is is he Justin Fields, who is potentially the worst quarterback in the NFL right now, including Mitch Trubisky, and that's not hyperbole, um, and Mac Jones, who has not been a, a very successful, certainly not this year, or do you think that he's more of uh, Trevor Lawrence, who, as expected, is, is the leader of the class, um, AFC Offensive Player of the Week, he was just named earlier this morning, or is he undecided, like Bison Legend, and 49ers quarterback Trey Lance, who really hasn't had much of an opportunity. Where would you put Zach Wilson in, in that group? Yeah, I think he's more that last group you mentioned. I think he's kind of in the middle. I think we're still kind of – I think the jury's still kind of out on him. Uh, obviously, he had the the knee issues last year as well, so he had, uh, never got a chance to really get going. And even when he was out there, struggled a little bit uh, to start the season. Did get a little bit better as the season wore on, and – Going through training camp this year, I thought he was looking pretty good by all accounts. He was having a strong camp, uh, but then he goes out and, of course, gets injured. Uh, pretty much one of the first plays of the preseason. So that really derailed his uh, uh, his development a little bit, too. So I think the jury is still kind of out. I'm not ready to put him on that tier with Trevor Lawrence just yet. So, you know, it's been really great to see him uh, really step up now and really do better now that he actually has competent coaching. Um, but I don't think he'll be as bad as Justin Fields. I think the the offense that he has, I think the, the Jets have done a nice job of getting him the talent that he needs. So I, th I think when he finally gets healthy and he has a chance to go out there and throw to Garrett Wilson and have the running back duo that he has and Michael Carter and Brees Hall, I think there is still potential here. I think with his ability to move around in the pocket and um, a stronger arm, obviously, than Joe Flacco. I think it's going to open up the offense a little bit here. But I think, you know, with the, the offensive line issues that he has in front of him, too, I think there's still a little bit reason to be wary. I think we have to be cautiously optimistic right now with Zach Wilson. So, yeah, I would say right now he's really kind of in that middling tier right now. And it's still kind of a, an incomplete grade, if you will. It certainly doesn't help that he missed the first three games this season. The Steelers mm -hmm. likely will be the first team to face Zach Williams and the New York Football Jets with Zach Will <laughs> with Zach Wilson uh, in Week Four. As the Steelers will host the Jets. I'm Neil Kulong. You're listening to the New Standard Podcast. I'm with my guest Billy Ricchetti of Jets Wire. Um, thanks again, Billy, for coming. But um, what I was worried about was the possibility of the Jets needing you to play tackle for them. Yeah. Um, George Fant is the latest Jets tackle to go on injured reserve. I believe yeah. now there are three of them there. Mm -hmm. um, that almost takes effort at this point. Um, yeah. He was placed on injured reserve with a knee injury this week. Something called Connor McDermott appears to uh, start. He took over for Fant, who was getting beat fairly well by by the Bengals when he went down and McDermott didn't look all that great either, in my opinion. 
Um, on the other side, you have something called Max Mitchell starting at right tackle because Mekhi Becton is on injured reserve as well, the highly touted uh, Jets right tackle. Not really sure um, what is going on in Bravo country there, um, Billy, but uh, what is there? You've got now um, Mike Remmers of the of Super Bowl fame who might go down as in, in legend as the worst offensive tackle in Super Bowl history. Uh, he's there ready to play. Um, former Bengals star first round draft pick who never saw the field. Cedric Abui uh, is also signed with the Jets right now. How do you protect your quarterback with, with what's happening at the tackle position? In the yeah. Hope and pray at this point, I think you just gotta get on your knees and pray to the good Lord above that these guys can somewhat hold the fort down. Now, the nice thing is, I think they are expecting Dwayne Brown to return to practice next week. Whether or not he'll play yep. in week five uh, is to be determined. We don't know how uh, his shoulder is holding up, but at least he's eligible to come off injury reserve uh, very soon here. So this could be the last game without him, but you know, Dwayne Brown is 37 years old. You don't know how, uh, how quickly he's going to recover from the shoulder injury if he really is at all. So this is going to be a very – very difficult task uh, for for the Jets against the Steelers. I mean, even with, without T.J. Watt, you still have Cam Hayward and all those guys up front that can get after it. And it's really not even just the outside guys, too, that have been struggling. I mean, one of their big free agent splashes has been Lakin Tomlinson, and he struggled for the first three weeks of the season. So that left side of the line, I think, is very vulnerable in this one. But, again, you have – uh, a guy that can move around the pocket. You don't have a statue like you did in Joe Flacco. So you have that little bit of hope. But like you said, Connor McDermott came in, in uh, after George Fant went down, and he struggled mightily. I, I think there was a, a fumble uh, toward the end of the game that, that basically sealed uh, the Jets' fade, and it was McDermott that uh, that led up that, uh, that sack. So there's just... Now, I will say Max Mitchell has done okay, you know, for being a fourth round rookie and being thrust into the position that he was. I think he's he's doing okay. You know, if you look at the PFF grades, he, he's not the greatest. I think he's something like 54th. But given all the circumstances, he didn't have a lot of practice time. He was mixing in and in, uh, in and out with uh, Chuma Udoga, uh in between Becton going down and Dwayne Brown showing up. So he's gotten a little bit of time. But more or less, he was thrust into this role. And I think he's been doing okay. So you have a little bit of hope on the right side there. The left side, though, certainly is extremely worrisome. And I think right now it does seem like McDermott is going to be the guy with Obwehi as uh, as the top reserve. But, you know, things can happen in an instant, as we've seen with this team. Yeah, one more tackle away from uh, uh, from them giving you the call. And all due respect, we're... <laughs> We're looking forward to that. Yeah. Oh, you don't want to see that. Trust me. <laughs> um, I'll, on the I'll be on the, uh, Bob Maneri will be doing uh, a bunch of uh, commentary on me and not for the good reasons. It'll be great for the site. Um, it's a good paycheck, too. At the very least, <laughs> yeah. they, they, have, they have to guarantee you three games if you get called uh -huh. the roster. So that's, uh, that's nice. You got that going for you. Uh, another thing the Jets have going for them is Garrett Wilson. Um, he's a problem. Like, that kid's good. Um, watching him, it just it, it just amazes me how good uh, young receivers are coming into the NFL. I, yeah. I'm, I'm old, I guess. I remember it wasn't that long ago 
um, you needed usually rookie receivers didn't play all that much. They needed more time to, to understand the nuances of the offense, uh, to work on on balance, footwork, those kinds of things. There, there are just dudes coming into the NFL, and Garrett Wilson wasn't even a guy where you know he was just he wasn't drawing all the accolades even of this class. And at the same time, I'm seeing a guy on the Steelers drafted in the second round who might be the best out of all of them. Uh, Wilson, though, is is game ready. And I, I, I love this. I, I found this in my research. Um, somebody had asked him about Deontay Johnson, and he, he claimed to be a, a fan of the Steelers receiver. And I, I heard that. I watch him play. He looks like a more souped up, more athletic Deontay Johnson. Like, I, I don't know how much they're – they don't seem to be using him as a deep threat all that much, but he's a very good uh, between-the-numbers, inside-out uh, kind of receiver. And for a rookie picking up what he has already, that that's got to be an encouraging thing for the Jets. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you didn't see them. You he wasn't utilized a lot in Week One, and there was already grumbling, like you know, get get this guy out here. You took him in the top ten for a reason. Finally broke out against the Browns in Week Two, and then everyone's like, "Wow, see what happens when you actually let a playmaker actually do his thing." So, um, you know, it goes back to what I said earlier that how there is potential in this offense. They just got to tap into it. And Garrett Wilson, absolutely. Like you said, he can be all over the field. I mean, he's been making uh, incredible catches. He can just, he's like one of those chess pieces, right? You, you, he's not locked into one spot. You can put him as like a big slot. You can move him all over the place and you can just trust him as a quarterback that he's going to be there uh, to make these catches. I mean, even with getting, banged up and the offense being sluggish last week he still had six catches for 60 yards which you know in the grand scheme of things is still a solid day especially when he had to go out for a little bit with that ribbit with that rib injury so and like you said you know there were some people that uh maybe not did even have this guy in their top five receivers because you're talking they love drake london they uh chris olave john dotson was getting a lot of love Traylon burks Garrett Wilson sometimes seemed to be that guy that's kind of slipped through the cracks. And so, exactly. you know, when the Falcons took Drake London at number eight, the Jets pretty much are thinking, well, here's uh, and if I remember it, I don't remember which receiver. I think I might've had them taking Garrett Wilson in my final mock, but it was just one of those pieces that you just felt like it, it was a, a perfect marriage. And I know some people are starting to argue like, Oh, we should have took a tackle with one of these first round picks, but the talent of these players, like you're, st you're still a building team and to get a player, the talent of Garrett Wilson, that's going to help you build the team. And you get that connection going with Zach Wilson. That's going to be really good for these guys going forward. So I'm really excited to see what this guy can do when they really start to, to let him loose. And he really starts to get more comfortable more comfortable that uh that's good that's a perfect segue into this um i think the the defensive players stood out to me the most and it, it wasn't just one of them but to, to start off with um quinn and williams in year three really looks to become it, it, it looks like he's starting to become the man yeah um he's had a lot of of positive success to this point and it takes a little while uh to to turn into a you know full-blown beast unless your name is is aaron donald uh, in along that interior defensive line. Um, he's a problem for the Steelers as well. Uh, it, typically, though, the Steelers are – they're in a quick game constantly. They're throwing short. They, they shouldn't be as susceptible to 
uh, internal or <laughs> uh, um, inside pass rush. How do you feel Williams plays into this this game, this strategy? Is his run defense going to be stout enough to hold at the point of attack? Are they going to try to get him off the field? Um, it, are, are the Steelers going to run more in order to, to keep him at bay? Do you think that he's that much of a, a, a problem for an offense? Oh, he's becoming a, a huge problem. I mean, you look at last week where all the talk was this was supposed to be the week the pass rush gets going for the Jets. And they only end up with two sacks of Joe Burrow. One of them was Quinn and Williams. And the guy is just a force. I mean, like like you said, he's really starting to develop into kind of the centerpiece of this defense. And it's a role that, you know, we knew he was going to have to take on going into the season. And he's certainly relished this role uh, big time. You know, he's he's the heart and soul of this defense right now, whether it's stopping the run or really getting out. You could argue he's, the, he's the, even their best pass rusher right now. Um, I think he's actually uh, leading the team in sacks because, I mean, the Jets don't have a lot of sacks, number one. Um, but the fact that Quinn and Williams is one of the, the biggest uh, pressure makers of this team uh, speaks volume for him and just his, his third year in the league. So, yeah, obviously he's not at the level of Aaron Donald, but he's still – he's – in the upper echelon of one of the best D tackles in the game right now. So it's really been fun to watch him, you know, develop over these first couple of years and this really being, and we say, you know, with a lot of positions, don't we, with the third year, this is the breakout year for a lot of these players. Well, you're already seeing it now with Quinn and Williams and obviously the Steelers have some issues on the interior. So this could be a ga- another game where Quinn and Williams is going to have to take over if the Jets want to, you know, get their defense off the field and uh, try to, because we know they can, uh, the Steelers are going to be stout on defense and are probably going to shut down the the Jets a little bit on offense. So if the Jets want to hang in there, Quinton Williams has to just keep doing what he's been doing. So I'm really looking forward to to that matchup this week and what he can do. Weird random stat prediction. From me, Quinn Williams, two batted passes in this game. If you watch his, his full tape over the last three games, he has injected himself through a, a variety of different ways, whether it's it's batting passes, hurries, quarterback hits, sacks. He's made his presence felt in every game that he's played, and he's, he's tough. The Steelers are going to have a tough time with him. Um, the one, though, I think is the most fun to watch uh, the rookie Sauce Gardner. Uh, th- th- this kid gets after it. He's yeah. he's energetic. He's fun. He is, in my opinion, I don't know how far across you are all of this, but for the sake of the audience, Sauce Gardner is uh, the defensive George Pickens. And the idea of these two squaring off, they're probably the two biggest trash talkers on, on either of their teams. They're going to fight each other, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's They're both competitive. They're both fiery. I love that. I don't have a problem with it. They, they should be competitive. If, if you have a cornerback or a receiver, a, a young ones in particular, who aren't talking trash, getting into it with the guy they're going up against, in my opinion, they're just they're, they're kind of not doing it right. You know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing these two square off. What, what has Sauce meant to the Jets to, to this point? What have you seen that, that's really impressed you about him so far? Oh, he's he's been huge. I mean, last week he's going one-on-one with Jamar Chase, who's already one of the best receivers in the NFL. And Sauce Gardner really held his own. I mean, he 
he was uh he's not backing down at all from going up against any of these uh any of these top receivers i know there was some question of course on what happened on that switch you know the the wide open chase touchdown whether Gardner missed the switch, whether Quincy Williams missed the switch, if uh, LaMarcus Joyner should have been over the top, whatever. Overall, Sauce Gardner has been exactly what this Jets team needed because they needed, they badly needed somebody uh, opposite uh, DJ Reed, you know, because we knew cornerback was a huge question mark. I mean, they went out and paid good money to get DJ Reed in uh, free agency, and then Gardner beats out uh, Bryce Hall for uh, for the second cornerback spot, and these two have already become uh, one of the best duos in the NFL. So Sauce has been huge. He's, I think, going to develop into uh, a good shutdown corner, and it's really going to help the Jets, you know, build up kind of the rest of the defense, especially the safety position where they certainly uh, need a lot of help. But to have that guy that you know is not afraid to go one-on-one one on one with the team's best receiver, whether it's Jamar Chase or – like you said, you can go up against Pickens or Deontay Johnson this week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised even, say, the following week against Miami, he puts his face right in uh, Tyreek Hill's, right Tyree Hill's face. So that, he's fun. fun to watch. And, I and I mean, this is only three games in. Once he gets uh, a lot more games under his belt, he really starts developing, developing into that true shutdown corner. Watch out. I, I think he's going to be fun. He's a good player. Everything to, yeah. to this point that we've seen of him um, lives up to his billing. I've, I've really enjoyed watching him play. Um, he's he's two problem guys on defense. I'm not sure there is a problem guy so much on offense um, beyond Williams, and I'm not sure we're going to be able to see that. But what exactly do you expect? It, let, let's put – let's just say Zach Williams – he called him Zach Williams. Zach Wilson is going to start in this game. I, I think it's fair to say that right now. Mm-hmm. What do you expect offensively from them um, with with Flacco? And some of this has to do with leads, um, you know, being behind everything like that. But Joe Flacco was going into week three. He was second in the NFL in passing yards. And I think he was like fourth in attempts or something like that. Joe Flacco in, in 2022. Do you see the Jets looking to throw as much as that in this game or with, with Wilson under center? Or are they going to try to establish the run a bit more? I think you got to let Wilson sling a little bit. How cautious they're going to be with him coming off the knee injury remains to be seen. But I mean, you've got a quarterback that's got a that, that's got a stronger arm than uh, than Joe Flacco. I mean, you've you've got to get these receivers involved too. I mean, uh, Elijah Moore has been pretty quiet, and there's been a lot of talk on him being a a breakout candidate this year as well. So if you let Zach Wilson sling it. And let them get Garrett Wilson involved. Let them get uh, Elijah Moore involved. Even the tight ends, like you know, it was, it was finally nice to see Tyler Conklin uh, get involved in the offense last week as well. You have all these guys on the outside for uh, Zach Wilson. But this was the reason they went out and got all these guys because they're developing. They want to develop around their, you know, the guy they invested the number two overall pick in. They got to see if Wilson's the guy. And can he get it to these guys? So. You know, again, could they limit him in, in week one, uh, in his first game back? Sure, that, that's a possibility. But they had said this entire time, they're not going to play him until they feel he's 100%. So if they feel he's 100% this week, let him loose. And, you've, you know, you could still certainly establish the run as well because you've got two really good running backs 
both of them can do well in the the passing game as well, including uh, Brees Hall, who I think had 10 targets last week against the Bengals. And again, we're talking, this was with Joe Burrow, who, like you said, I think is still top five uh, in passing yards, which is crazy to think in, uh, in 2022 that Joe Flacco, uh, the elite, I mean, well, he's elite. So of course he's going to be up there. Um, but yeah. Oh, like, those were the days. They still are the days. <laughs> I feel old now. <laughs> but yeah, it, I, I think almost like the early, uh, the, the early rise of Twitter kind of came yep. to be what it was based on the debate of whether or not Joe Flacco was an elite quarterback. Uh-huh. Oh, the glory days. That's when the, the Steelers were good and they had a passing <laughs> offense. And we weren't firing the offensive coordinator after every game. Oh, wait, no, that's still still the same thing. We'll keep doing that. It's, yeah, but, um, it seems like that's coming up soon, too. Yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. But, uh, it, you know, Billy, I'm going to let you go here. I, I appreciate the time. Um, thanks for coming on. And uh, we're, we're looking forward to a good game. Hopefully, uh, hopefully this is uh, a, a, a really um, unexpected uh, early playoff game. Jets at Steelers. What do you think? I just hope it's at least uh, a little bo- bit more. A little bit more watchable, excuse me, than some of these first couple of games from the Jets. Let's hope they can actually score more than 12 points this time. Hey, you know what? I, I root for a team where you celebrate, uh, they get 17. What uh it would give me give me a score prediction here. What do you think for Sunday? I'm gonna say I think you know, with Zach Wilson still being kind of limited and the the worry of the offensive line, I think the Steelers will, will get to him a little bit. So I'm gonna say Steelers 24, Jets 17. Yeah, I've heard that one. I believe that was uh I believe that was Lance's prediction as well. I'm digging for my phone. He texted me. Lance, was that your prediction? I know you're there telling me what to do. Lance says 24-13 Steelers. I'm I'm gonna change this up a little bit. I know this is crazy. People are gonna think I'm nuts, but I'm gonna go Steelers 27. Jets 23. I think it's going to be a tight game, but I think this is a, a game the Steelers get a, a big play or two uh, that, that will swing the difference. Um, but a hard-fought game between two teams that are going to be a lot better a year from now than they are right now. But uh, the Steelers are going to get this one at home. So, yeah. Um, good stuff, Billy. I appreciate you coming out here. Um, Thank you. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk more. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me, Neil. Appreciate it. That was Billy Ricchetti of Jets Wire, uh, the editor of Jets Wire. Please check that out for all of um, the opponent, the op, uh, <laughs> the oppo research on the Steelers opponent this week, uh, the New York football Jets. Jetswire.com. Look for Billy's stuff there and Billy Ricchetti on Twitter. Um. <clears throat> Yeah, so I, I was going to go over predictions here for Lance and myself. I jumped ahead of the gun. Lance, like I said, um, Lance is going with 24-13 good guys, Steelers over the Jets. I'm saying 27, and I want to explain why, because I can't believe I'm even saying it. But it, it feels like this is a get-right game for the Steelers in a couple different ways. One. If anybody has a worse offensive line situation right now than the Steelers, it's the Jets. 
they're beaten up. They don't have anything left. And one injury is an absolute dumpster fire. Not to insult or denigrate them or anything. It, it's just simply that you can't go on your fifth offensive tackle in a year and expect success. Nobody has that kind of depth. You usually don't have three of them, let alone five. So who knows how that's going to shake out for them. But I feel like that kind of defensive effort can lead to a lot of punts and can give the Steelers more offensive opportunities, even if you have to drag them kicking and screaming forward to take them. They will actually possess the ball. They're going to hit on a couple big plays here and there. I think this is a game where they're going to say, you know what, fine. Today's the day we need to do this. Now, do you want to go after the rookie? I don't think that you should. Sauce Gardner is a player. I think he's going to do something in this game. But overall, I think the Steelers offensively will, will get back on track. They'll get that extra possession or two that has been um, eluding them to this point. And they're going to they're going to find a big play that's going to set up a touchdown uh, that they haven't really gotten. Maybe it comes in the second half even. Who knows? Uh, as crazy as that is. So I'm saying 27-23 good guys. Steelers over the New York football Jets, the goddamn Jets. Um, let's see your predictions. I'm not reading a whole lot in here. I want to I, I, I want to get a good sense of what you guys are predicting, what you guys are thinking. Let's dive into the user segment here. <clears throat> Where the Steelers are through three weeks, if we were to rate this one through 10 in a couple different ways, I would say this. They are, for me, probably nine out of 10 in terms of this is exactly what I expected to happen. And probably a three out of 10, I feel that they can they can move this ship forward. Um, I, I want to dive into this again. If you look at, the, at what comes after the Jets game, that's why this, this game is so pivotal for the Steelers in so many ways. And Lance and I even talked about this uh, earlier in the offseason when we were going over the schedule. Um, the two biggest games for the Steelers early are at Browns, which they lost, and at home versus the Jets because they needed to get both of those games. And I wasn't sure if they were going to or not. Um, I thought they were going to start 0-3, get their first win against the Jets. It's a winnable game. The Steelers are three-and-a-half-point favorites at home at Akrahine Stadium. But after that, you're looking at Bills on the road at Bills, back to Akrahine's for the Bucks at Dolphins, at Eagles. Then you got a bye. After that, you get the bye. That's nice. Um, at home versus the Saints, which is a team they just they struggle with regardless of the year or era they play them. Uh, they struggle with the Saints. And then you're at home uh, versus the Bengals right before Thanksgiving. Um, those aren't two easy games either. So really, I mean, I, you hate to say this, but if you don't beat the Jets, you're legitimately looking at a six-game losing streak uh, heading into your bye. And then a team that you struggle with every time you play them coming in at home. And then a, a, a division game against a team that you got the win, but you didn't beat them. Uh, that's a prime time game um, at Akrahine Stadium against the Bill or against the Bengals. The season could could spiral out of control very quickly. And this might be the last opportunity the Steelers have uh, to get something positive going into um let's be real. What's Buffalo going to be favored by against Pittsburgh at home? Uh, nine, 
10. I mean, Buffalo is just simply a much better team than Pittsburgh is. Pittsburgh tends to shut down their offense a little bit more than than average, what you would think, but I don't think this is the year for that. <laughs> They're going to break through. Um, I like this. I'm not against this. I just feel like I feel like the Jets will get one more, uh, two more possessions, two more field goals out of this. Um, but the key thing I want to highlight here is Mitch continues to improve and keeps the job another week. I agree with that. As strange as that is coming from me, I agree with that. I think it, this, it, in a lot of ways, this is a get right game for Mitch. I, I think he has the ability against this defense for what he does uh, to, if, if they really concentrate and focus on, on what they've been doing, they're going to have some success with it. And this is the team they can do that against. Um, <clears throat> he hasn't been inaccurate as far as not throwing catchable balls. He's just been inaccurate in, putting the ball where it needs to go for a guy to make a play. In other words, if, if you, if he's seeing Claypool on a, a, a short post or a drag, he's throwing it, it not, he's throwing it more or less to his center. He's not putting it out in front of him where he can catch it at full speed and keep going to, to get yards up the field. I think he's going to hit on a few of those. They're going to take a couple of these dinky six, seven yard gains and, and take them for uh 15 to 18 yards uh, for a change. You do a couple of those a game, you'll see his numbers go up quite a bit. The offense is going to have more success with that, and that's going to lead to you know, 10, 14 more points than what they're averaging right now. I, I feel like they can do that, uh, but Mitch will keep his job this week. I don't, I, I don't foresee him playing poorly in this game. Um, it might even look like what you hope to get from a quarterback in today's NFL. Uh, I think that leads to 27 points. I'm, I'm crazy, I know. Um, I don't think this is bad either, though, because to be honest, this score is probably what I would go with if we don't factor in the opponent as much. If we've seen, from what we've seen of the Steelers over the last three weeks, this is the kind of score I think we could bank on. Um, it, the Steelers are not a whole lot better than 17 to 20 points a game, if they are. This is really what we've seen to this point. I don't know how much I trust their defense, considering that they've been on, defensively, they've been on the field more than any other unit has in the NFL. They're on pace right now to play 1,300 snaps this season, which is like 25 to 30% more than average. They're going to be gassed, and I think we're seeing it already. Um, you hope there's some life coming. Um, you get a little bit of a break, a couple extra days, uh, considering they played on Thursday night last week. We'll see uh, how the, the defense adjusts to this more than anything else. But let's not act like they aren't up for review right now either. It's not just the offense that's a problem. Defense did not play particularly well last week. It's just they're being put into a bad position all the time. Um, <clears throat> another thing I forgot in my news and notes that I wanted to highlight, um, Steelers punter Presley Harvin third, or as Lance would say, Percy Harvin, um, looks to be injured and the Steelers signed a familiar face, former Steelers punter, Jordan Berry to their practice squad yesterday. It sounds as if Harvin's not going to be able to go, which means they will elevate Jordan Berry uh, for this game. Not just as a punter, um, as a, a, a placeholder as well. It's a, a critically important position. We can't undermine the value of the, the snappers and the holders, not the Steelers this season, not after what we saw in week one when the Bengals didn't have a snapper and had two kicks blocked, uh, one muffed, uh, one bad snap, well, two bad snaps and uh, uh, two missed kicks and one of them was blocked. 
don't underestimate that, but that's exactly why they signed Jordan Berry. While there were uh, probably better punters out there in the market, they know uh, he's a solid holder. They're not going to have a problem with it. But just for the sake of fun, let's not forget uh, Jordan Berry's failed um, two-point tries uh, from the past. That was uh, was entertaining. I really wish I could show a few of these. Um, wow, he was Jordan Berry is an entertaining guy for sure. But yes, the obvious joke and obvious thought here is that Harvin uh, was injured because he is punting so damn much that he, they've worn him out already. I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> I know he's punted a lot. And, you know, I, I think they're going to punt a, a decent amount in this game as well. Uh, will that be a factor? I don't know. Weather is expected to be fair in Pittsburgh over the weekend. We should get a, a beautiful day in the Three Rivers area uh, for Steelers Jets football. I want to thank you all for joining us today. I had to uh, had to fly solo. I hope I did not waste too much of your time. Lance Williams should be done with his assignment and negotiate peace in the Middle East by uh, sometime before kickoff. We expect to do the show again Sunday following the game. That's about 425 Eastern time. Um, uh, for those of you out that way, that's, uh, what, 125 Pacific. Hopefully it's a Steelers win. Hopefully we have more things to talk about. But more than anything, we hope that you guys come out, continue to support us the way that you have. We are deeply appreciative. I'm Neil Kulong. This is the New Standard Podcast. And as Lance would say, please tell a friend, like, and subscribe.